Welcome to the LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by ANAC, the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination. We're on episode one, section GG of the Q&As on the REI user's manual updates, effective October 1st, 2018. I'm your host today, Jesse McGill, and we are here with my colleague, Jane Belt, a curriculum development specialist with ANAC. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Jesse. I'm so glad to be with you as well. Now, Jane, during the ANAC webinars, which you hosted on September 11th and 13th, we received over 200 questions during that webinar. And I'm really happy that you are joining us today to talk about some of those frequently asked Section GG questions. I, I, I was amazed, Jesse, too. We had over 3,000 registered participants for each of those webinars. So it was terrific to see such great enthusiasm, participation, and now it's terrific that we can really focus on some of the areas that were causing the most concerns or questions. So, so I'm ready to start. All right. Well, one of the frequently asked questions from the webinar attendees is, how do we gather the information for section GG? Do we still need to assess it prior to treatment or therapy interventions? Yeah, well, let's think about what section GG is about. Section GG is, and that collection of, of data is a collaboration. It's a collaboration of collecting data from not only the resident, the family, direct care staff, therapy, the medical record documentation, or it could be some observations during that assessment period, whether it's the three days at the beginning of the stay or the three days at the end of the stay. And yes, I know that the, the manual says that the scores should reflect that resident status prior to any benefit from interventions. The assessment should occur when possible prior to the resident benefiting from treatment interventions in order to determine the resident's true admission baseline status. But it goes on to say, and here's the important part, even if treatment started on the day of admission, a baseline functional status assessment can still be conducted. Treatment should not be withheld in order to conduct the functional assessment. So yes, we wanna try to do it as soon as we can, but we're not gonna stop providing interventions or not even start providing interventions to the residents. So, and again, I think my big um, emphasis here is that it's collaborative. That is very helpful insight, Jane. Now, when we look at section GG, we also have to document the goals. And one of the attendees asked, are the GG goals based on what the resident says? Oh, that is a good one. But I'd have to say the answer to the question is no. But that doesn't mean we don't talk to the resident and we don't talk to their family if they're available. Because as I just mentioned in the previous uh, question, the resident's part of the process. It go in the manual on page GG27, it specifically says, yes, licensed qualified clinicians can establish a resident's discharge goal 
at the time of admission based on the resident's prior medical condition, our admission assessment of their self-care and mobility status, and it says specifically discussions with the resident and family. We use professional judgment. We use professional standards of practice, expected treatments, how motivated is the resident to improve, and that's a big factor, the anticipated length of stay, the resident's discharge plan, what are they expecting? So goals should be established as part of that resident's care plan. The collaborative effort to collect this GG data may differ depending on the item. And let me think, let me, let me give you an example. If eating is not being addressed in therapy, then the facility could use the entire three-day period to assess their usual function for eating. However, if the resident only attempts to walk twice with therapy and is only able to walk 12 feet, well, we're going to use the therapy documentation to, you, to answer those walking items. So it really does depend on the activity. Thank you, Jane. The next question from our attendees is on the new items in section GG for prior function. And it asks, why was prior level of function added to section GG? Well, that's interesting. Okay, well, CMS really did clarify that on page uh, GG1. It, part of it says, knowledge of the resident's functioning prior to the current illness, exacerbation, or injury may inform treatment goals. What does that really mean? Well, that means I need to know how they were functioning so I know what I can expect. What could we be working for? What could we be working toward? These items are so critical in GG because they're used to uh, risk adjust. And we're now beginning October 1st, we've got four new section GG outcome measures. Functional outcome. How is the, what happened to the resident's function during the course of their stay in our facility. So we want to know what they were doing. And again, GG, if you put a dash in GG0100 or GG0110, those prior functioning items, those dashes will count against the SNFs QRP compliance score. What a so wonderful need... explanation. Yeah. Sorry, were you going okay. to add something to that? No, I'm sorry. No, I, I think I've probably gone enough. Yeah, good. Great. The next question is on clarifications with those not attempted codes. And the question is, would we code 88 not attempted due to medical condition or safety concern or 09 that it doesn't apply if a resident is receiving 100% of their eating through, the to the, through a tube feeding? Okay, um, and I, I, I love these questions that the answer is depends, but it does depend on whether or not that resident was eating by mouth previously. 
So on page uh, GG13 of the RAI manual, it says, if the resident does not eat or drink by mouth at the time of the assessment, and the resident did not eat or drink by mouth prior to the current illness, injury, exacerbation, then we are to code GG0130A, which is eating, as 09, not applicable, and meaning not attempted, and the resident did not perform this activity prior to their current illness, whatever the heck was going on. Assistance with tube feedings or um, your uh, peritoneal nutrition, your TPNs, is not considered when coding eating. Eating is only what the resident is able to do, eating and drinking by mouth. Now, if this resident does get some of their nutrition via orally, their mouth, they eat and drink, but they rely partially on getting nutrition, adequate fluids via the tube or a TPN, then the, the TPN and tube feeding are set aside. We're not, those are not being considered, but we'll consider for the eating coding how much assistance did that resident need for what they ate and drank by mouth? If the resident eats finger foods using their hands, you're going to, again, code eating based on the amount of assistance provided. We always want to let that, level, that resident perform as much as they can independently. Thank you, Jane. What a wonderful clarification. The next question shifts over to the steps. Now we have on section GG several items involving steps. And several attendees during the webinar asked, what if the facility does not have access to 12 steps? Yes, that was common. And just based on what you just asked, you know, if the facility does not have access, then we're the, you would have to code 10, which does include that lack of equipment. There's a limitation. If we don't have the equipment, we can't do it. But, you know, you also could think if therapy is, you know, if this resident is planning to go home, which that's what most of our resident, skilled residents want to do, could therapy complete a home evaluation during the last three days of the stay? And maybe the resident attempts their staircase at home. And that's how we could be coding that. The other thing that, I'm not sure it applies totally to this question, but the other thing that concerns me is if steps are going to be a barrier to that resident's safe return home, what have we been thinking about in discharge planning? And does discharge planning need to include some possible home adaptations that need to be made even before the resident can go home. Sounds like we have some challenges that we might have to overcome as we start coding these new items. And that brings us to the next question and our final question today around car transfer. And the question is, is if we do not have a physical car transfer that has been observed or attempted to code GG0170G, can we code based on if therapy feels the resident would be capable of performing the task? 
or do we have to have an actual attempt into a car transfer? Well, nothing against the therapist opinion, but no, we cannot base our coding on opinion. What would need to happen is to have the resident transfer in and out of a car or a van as per instructed in the RAI manual. And even on page GG38, it says, code based on the resident's performance. Do not record the staff's assessment of the resident's potential capability to perform the activity. So opinions don't work. We need to actually have the resident attempt whatever task we are assessing. Thank you so much, Jane, for helping clear up the confusion and answer these tough questions that were submitted by our ANAC members. For our listeners, please tune in next week as we have Jane join us again to discuss Section N and the new drug regimen review items. As always, you can check out www.anac.org for more resources and support as we continue through these changes. Thank you for joining.